0: Hey guys, thanks for swinging by our podcast today. We hope this message leaves you encouraged and filled with hope and that Christ in His goodness is meeting your every need. So we've been talking about the priority of the presence of the Lord in our day-to-day lives. And there is, there is nothing more important than His presence. Psalm 42.7 says that deep calls out unto deep. And so as we, I actually think it's like a picture of those who hunger and thirst after righteousness shall be filled. But as he fills me, I long to be filled with more. And so, so we say stuff like this, that shallow calls out to shallow. And so, so compromise calls out to compromise. Just one little ounce of compromise will actually cause you to compromise much, much more. It's just a matter of time. And so the deepest parts within us is actually calling out to the deepest parts within the Lord's heart. And the deepest parts within the Lord's heart are calling out into the deepest parts within us. And so it's this thing that just draws us closer to Him. And, and, and so, so we want to, I guess what, what my goal is, is, is I just want us to be obsessed with the presence of the Lord. I don't want us just to say, oh, we attend River City Hope Church, we're good. No, I want us to be hungry and thirsty for the presence of the Almighty God in our day-to-day lives. Whether you're driving to work or whether, whether you're sitting at the, the, I say, the stoplights or, or whether you're walking through aisle five at Kroger, it does not matter to me. I want us to be aware of his presence. Not only is he he's omnipresent, he's all places at all times, but I want to know that he's there because I don't want to miss what he's doing. Because look, the Lord, He desires to move. He desires to move in you like sanctify you make you pure spotless and holy which is what we just sang when we sang that old hymn but he also desires to move through you to bring people to faith in Christ like you're a walking manifestation of the goodness of God you're a walking manifestation of the glory of the Lord and so everywhere you go he goes what we declare right and everywhere we go he goes and so you're like his walking billboard Paul says that you're an pistol written for all men to see and so as you live your life i like the new mic i'm sorry i just noticed it but but (laughs) i do but as as you live your life you can demonstrate his goodness but you cannot demonstrate his goodness if you're unaware that he is there You cannot demonstrate his goodness if you're unaware that he's there. You can't. It's illegal. You know what happens? It's illegal. You know what happens? If you don't sense the presence of the Lord, you fake it. you know what faking it is let's just it's a religious spirit it's legalism it's it's do this this and this and then i'm good god's with me Well, he's with you in principle which he is really with you but until it migrates the however many inches from your head into your heart you're not going to be aware you're not going to live it out we want it to migrate so We said that we need to begin to make a big deal about his presence we need to make a big deal about jesus (laughs) it sounds so i'm thinking of the old movie ron burgundy says i'm a big deal right (laughs) but but i I, we need to make jesus a big deal (laughs) god help me in matthew 9 in matthew 9 Matthew 9, verse 14, I'm sorry, 15, it says, it says this, that the attendants of the bridegroom cannot mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them, can they? But the days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they'll fast. So Jesus, Jesus is responding to John the Baptist's disciples, and they're like, hey, you know, again, this is review, but they're saying, hey us and the pharisees we're fasting and the way it's written in the greek it's it's y'all's not fasting y'all's having a party but we're out here like fasting and suffering for the gospel not for the gospel but suffering for the law we're doing this to try and earn god's approval so that he comes near and jesus is like if you would open up your eyes i'm actually here among you and then there's going to come a time when I go, and then when I go, then you're going to mourn for me to return. Now, now, when we say mourn for him to return, mourning means to live with an ache. It's like when you get lovesick, when you're separated from your loved one, right? Jeremy was in Florida this week. He was lovesick over Jennifer. <laughs> he says, no, nah, that's nah, Michael. But anyway... <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, you get lovesick for the one that you're away from, and, and we can begin to live with this ache. Now, Now, listen, part of what's happened wrong in the American church is we're like, Lord Jesus, come quickly and what we're really saying is come rescue us from the planet when the lord has called us to redeem the planets right therefore go and make disciples of the what of the nations baptizing them in the name of the father and the son and of the holy spirit and teaching them everything that i have taught you and lo i am with you to the very end of age like he's not going to come back till that happens but we can live with like, Lord, we need more of you. Lord, we want more of you. Like, like, I'm so thankful for what he's doing in our midst, but I want more, right? I don't want a sick person to enter into the building and leave sick. I want them to leave healed. I don't want a lost person to enter into the building and leave not knowing his goodness, right? We need more of him. And then I want it in my family's life. I want it at my house. I don't want a sick person to enter into my house and leave sick. I don't want a lost person to enter into my house and leave lost. I want more of him in my day-to-day life. It's not enough to know just facts about him. I don't want to be with Alex Trebek on Jeopardy and spout off facts like, who is Jeopardy? Jesus, right? I don't want to spout off facts to him. I actually want to know him deeply, personally, and intimately. And the only way we can do that is if we get obsessed over him. (laughs) Oh, Jesus. We can't, we, we, we can't afford to, to not make his presence a priority in our life. Like, we rearrange priorities all the time. Billy, Billy Graham actually says this. He, he, Billy Graham wrote this uh, uh, years and years ago. Billy Graham says he can tell what our priorities are based on two things. Based all on our calendar and based on our checkbook. And so, like, where you spend all your time and where you spend all your money is probably what's important. <laughs> and, ooh, anyway, it's the truth. And so, so, we can't afford not to make him... The priority. All right. Look at look at Psalm Psalm 16. Psalm 16. This is where I'm gonna camp. I love this. Love Psalm 16. I actually just love the word. <laughs> oh. See his his presence, there there's also I mean like I could preach the rest of my life just on his presence. His, with his presence, let me say it like this. You know, I, I know when I'm not pressing in and I'm not living in his presence to the degree that I'm supposed to. You know why? Because I struggle. I get agitated really quickly. My, 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 my fuse without Jesus is about this short. <laughs> My, some of y'all like looking at me like, like you're like, yeah, I understand what you're saying. And some of y'all are probably just lying, but that's okay. <laughs> we'll get you saved in a minute. But with Jesus, my fuse is much longer. Actually, with Jesus, I don't have a fuse. Okay. See, Jesus, he, he changes the way I respond to situation, situations. Jesus changes the way I interact with people. Jesus, he just changes everything. And and so so if I want to live in a way where I respond appropriately to any and every situation, I I need to be aware of him. I just need to be aware of him. So Psalm 16, it's really fascinating. Let me read the first verse, and then I'm going to jump ahead here in just a minute. I'm going to read the whole thing, and then we'll go. How about that? Psalm 16, this was written by David. And he says, preserve me, O God, for I take refuge in you. So, so it starts out as a lament. Preserve me, O God, for I take refuge in you. Like, it sounds like he's about to unleash a complaint. Right? Now, how many of y'all, this is, this is rhetorical and probably the dumbest question. How many of y'all have something you could probably complain about? Amen. Amen. Bob's got three daughters, four daughters. Four. I'm just kidding. Love you guys. I said, I said, you are my Lord. I have no good beside you. As for the saints who are in the earth, they, they are the majestic ones in whom is all my delight. The sorrows of those who have bartered for another God will be multiplied. I shall not pour out their drink offerings of blood, nor will I... Take their names from my lips. The Lord, it's, it's good to honor those who went before you, okay? The Lord is the portion of my inheritance my and my cup, and you support my lot. The lines have fallen to me in pleasant places. Indeed, my heritage is beautiful to me. Praise the Lord for our heritage. And in verse 7, it says, I will... I will bless the Lord who has counseled me. Indeed, my mind instructs me in the night. I've set the Lord continually before me because he is at my right hand. I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my glory rejoices. My flesh also will dwell securely for you will not abandon my soul to Sheol nor will you allow the Holy One to undergo decay. You will make known to me the path of life in your presence is the fullness of joy. In your right hand, there are pleasures forever. I'm not prophesying, but probably... Something bad will happen in the next year to you. Something will happen that you're like, I wish that had not happened. And it's in that moment we can choose how we respond. David, he starts this off as a lament, and then he transitions into worship and praise. And I would propose to you that the best thing that you can do when life stinks is worship and praise the Lord. (laughs) Look. And let me say this. We are the only ones that could worship the Lord for ourselves. Let me me read this. Verse 7, he says, I will bless the Lord. I will bless the Lord. He doesn't say you will bless the Lord. He doesn't say we will bless the Lord. He says, I will bless the Lord. Like... I will bless the Lord who counseled me. Indeed, my mind instructs me in the night. Bless means to kneel down. So I will kneel down before the Lord. I will speak words that invoke favor. I will, I will just, Lord, you're good. You're good. You're good. I will praise you. I will extol you. I will thank you for your goodness. That, that's what all that, the word bless means. And so I, I, I think that one of the biggest problems that can happen is that now in here a lot of you all really expressive some of you is less expressive it doesn't matter to me how you worship I'm saying you still need to worship the Lord like 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 me worshiping the Lord up here is an excuse for someone not to worship the Lord it's 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 not it's not enough you have to worship him yourself you have to come to the point that says come hell or high water I will bless the Lord myself and, and, and the problem is sometimes like we do this, especially like um, when, when I've traveled, I've seen like I'll, I'll meet someone and they'll be like, my dad's this or my grandmother's this. My grandmother's the matriarch of the church. They, they started, helped found, found this church 50 years ago and their grandmother's up there worshiping, doing stuff. I'm thinking, praise the Lord. Are you worshiping him? Does that make sense? I'm not trying to be mean. I'm just saying we cannot ride on the coattails of someone else's worship we got to have those moments ourselves and so so as you begin to worship him on your own the lord begins to actually speak to you right that's why the word says draw near to him right and he begins to draw near to you like like the lord's closeness to me has some to do with how close my wife gets to the lord but if april's worshiping the lord and i'm over here twiddling my thumbs guess who's going to receive from the lord and guess who's not Hmm. And I'll say this, like, my spouse can't make his presence a priority for me. My son can't make it a priority for me. My church can't make his presence a priority for me. I said, so I will bless the Lord. You will bless the Lord. I, I'm saying, you've like, you just got to decide, church. you just got to decide. And worship has nothing. Let me say this. Worship has a lot to do with the songs we sing and has absolutely nothing to do with the songs we sing. Like we think it's, it's this. All right, stand up. Let's sing our 20, 20, 25 minutes. Okay, here. Let's sing for an hour. All right. Like that's the way we do. It, that's the way we roll. And that's good. I'm happy with that. I love that. But that, that's, that's not just worship. Worship is, I, I really think this. What do we do when We're alone. Because I actually, like, I love this expression. I love this expression. I love coming into this place, the kids running around. I I love it. I love the family atmosphere. I love people worshiping. I love looking around, seeing the fly. I love all of that. But what I really love is getting along with the Lord and worshiping him when no one's looking. Because guess who's looking? He's looking. And you're like, well, I can't do that when I'm by myself, and I'm saying, Get over it and say, I will bless the Lord. Whether get in your car and close the door of your car. Lord, I'm gonna bless you this morning. I thank you. The whole way you're driving, it doesn't matter to me. Or wake up early and go down to the basement of your house and say, I will bless the Lord when no one else is around. And watch what happens. And again, do not count on the worship of someone else to count as your worship. Come on. Amen. No. And there's something that the Lord begins to release as you worship him. There's, there's this blessing. There's this awareness that he's there. Like you're like, well, I haven't sensed the Lord for a long time. Worship him. Don't wait to sense him. Worship him. We enter his gates with thanksgiving and we enter his courts with praise. We don't wait for them to open up and we give thanks, right? We actually, that's the key that unlocks the door to enter in. And then after you've worshipped him, worship him some more. (laughs) And then after you've worshipped him for a year, worship him for 10 more. And then after you've worshipped him for 10 more, worship him for a lifetime, Right, verse 8 I have set the Lord continually before me because he is at my right hand. I will not be shaken. It's okay. I have set the Lord before me continually. Set means to strongly desire. So not only do I strongly desire the Lord, but then it also means to place in a position that cannot be moved. So, so I would propose that we need to strongly desire the Lord and then we need to never move from the position of strongly desiring the Lord. That's why what the, like, what the Lord did last week I'm thankful for. But that's not enough for today. What the, door, what the Lord did last week is good, but it's not good enough for today. Some of us tell testimonies from 50 years ago, and that's okay, but the Lord desires to do something fresh and anew right here and right now. And, and, and so, so you have to continue to set Him before you, and continue to set Him before you, and continue to set Him before you. So so and, and, and I think and the word continually means constantly, it means regularly, it means without interruption. My my biggest fear is we we do this and I say we church Christians is we come here and we're like, ah, you know, and ah, and, and then we're, you know, whatever. And, We do all that stuff, and then we sit, and then we take the notes, and then we close our journal, and then we're like, see you next week, Jesus. And we leave him here. And I I believe that what would happen if we began to set him continually before us? See, what happens is, is, is just life. An unexpected bill comes. You go to the doctor, and you get a bad prognosis, right? Or... Or you're having problems with your family or you have, a, uh, have problems with your child or your grandchildren or, or you have relational problems with your parents. So it doesn't matter. You just get distracted. Or you think, this: if I could accomplish or receive this one thing, it would make my life really, really easy. Right? You think of all these types of things and then the next thing you know it, you solely focus on this one thing. You've set that one thing before you and you've left him here. And then the next thing you know, you're so far off track. And it's about continually setting him before. And I'm just going to say this. I love the kids are in here, and I'm okay that they're loud. All right? So there we go. Parents, relax. We set work problems before. it. We just, like, obsess over this one thing. And before you know it, those things end up usurping Jesus. And David's making the effort saying, Come hell or high water, I'm just going to make him the most important thing in my life. Come hell or high water, I'm going to make him the biggest thing in my life. And so it's like, if something good happens, I'm going to set you before me, Lord, right? If something bad happens, I'm going to set you before me, Lord. If nothing happens, I'm going to set you before me, Lord. It's about continuing to do that day in and day in and day in and day in. And I'll be honest, like, it's hard sometimes, It's hard sometimes because, again, those distractions come or there's days where we're tired. There are days where we're wore out and it's like, man... I just, I don't feel like doing it today, and and I'm not making light of it. I'm just saying, let's just get over it, and let's continue to set him before us over and over and over again. And and it's like, I, I think, I think from studying revival, every great revival has come because men and women of God continue to put him before them. Continue to set him before and continue and continue and continue and continue. See, the father, we said this last week, the father only has one radio station. There's only one message on his station, and that is Jesus, right? This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased, and this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Listen Joanne, That's the only two times that he spoke in the New Testament. And so if he makes Jesus' presence a big deal, we probably should too. And so I'm going to set you before me, Jesus. He's going to be the center of everything that I do. All right. Huh. see, when, when we become aware of his presence, when we make it a priority, we get a revelation of his power. <laughs> because he's at my right hand, I will not be shaken. <laughs> because he's at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my glory rejoices. My flesh also will dwell securely. Now, he says, because he's at my right hand, indicating, David saying, I'm blessed. That's what he's saying. It's a, it's a position of proximity. It's a position of nearness. And David's saying, I'm blessed. And, 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 and I would propose to you that you're extremely blessed. And you're like, well, what about this? I don't have this. Quit focusing on all the negative junk, right? Quit, we focus on what little we have rather than the abundance of the Lord, and and, and so, so David's saying, because I'm blessed, be, because of this, because I am at his right hand or he's at my right hand, I will not be shaken. The word shaken means I will not totter, I will not fail, I will not sway back and forth, right? I will not be moved and I will not topple over. What would it look like? What would it look like, bub, do you mind grabbing me a water? What will it look like if we just say, I, I'm not going to move. I am not going to be shaken. Amen. What would it look like if we wouldn't base how we feel? What, what would it look like if we didn't base the goodness of the Lord on how we feel? Thank you so much, son. What would it look like if we started to say, you know what? Yeah, I got a bad prognosis today. But it's not going to change my faith. What would it look like if we got an unexpected bill come in and we said, we're not going to be like, oh, God must have forsaken me. Like, seriously? this is the one that said, let there be, and it was, and it was good, right? Like, like if he can keep everything spinning and everything in the exact location in the universe, he can take care of us through those hard, unexpected times. And, and, and so, so David's saying, he's with me and I'm not going to be shaken. He is with me and I'm not going to move. He is with me. And if anything, I'm going to keep setting him before me. And as I set him before me, it's my, my reminder that he's the unchanging one it's my reminder that he's the same today yesterday today and forever it's my reminder of his goodness and his kindness it's my reminder of his might and his majesty and his power and so so if we continue to set him before the, before us it's like come on after me enemy I'm not going to be moved from this position <laughs> hmm Hebrews 10.39 references this passage. It says, but we're not of those who shrink back to destruction. But of those who have faith to the persevering of the soul. We're not of those who shrink back to destruction. Paul takes it a step further, right? Hebrews takes it a step further and, and suggests that, that if we waver like... That's why when some people fall, they fall really hard. And that's why when some people go off the deep end, they go way off the deep end. And, and so it's dangerous to have a revelation of the Lord's goodness and walk away from it, is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> what would it look like if we just got entrenched? Well, it would do this. It it would give us a greater degree of confidence. Therefore, my heart is glad and my glory rejoices. Why does he say, therefore? He's saying, therefore, because he's saying, I won't be shaken. And because I cannot be shaken. (laughs) Because I cannot be shaken. I will rejoice. It's almost as if you you can feel it's almost as if you can feel his David's confidence rising. He's like, all right, I'm going to set you before me. I'm not going to move. And, and I'm going to continue to set you before me. And I'm not going to move. I will not be shaken. You're right here beside me. You have blessed me. Like, you can feel the confidence begin to rise. Like, I think we ought to be really confident people in his goodness. And then, then I believe that his presence ought to release direction and joy. Like I I really think this what what do I do? What do I do? Well don't do anything till he speaks one. But then I also think that we ought to be joyful people. I think that it is illegal. I think it help me Jesus. It's illegal to be a mean grouchy hateful Christian. <laughs> well I just speak truth brother. Well what about the love? Speak truth in love. It's like word without spirit, right? I mean, it's we we need to be both. And so, so let me look at this. You'll make known to me the path of life, and in your presence is the fullness of joy. In your right hand there are pleasures forever. So, so, so remember this psalm started out with a lament, a complaint he's he starts complaining and then he transitions here and he says you make known to me the path of life in your presence is the fullness of joy meaning david was going through a problem and he decided to make the presence a priority over and over and over again and it releases a confidence in him and it releases direction in his life Some of us are asking the Lord for direction. And, and I would say this, that his presence is a compass. It's not a road map. But I would also say this, that, that the path of life, that so many of us are like, I just need to get on the right path. I just need to get on the right I just need to find the right path. I just need, yeah, we say stuff like that. You know what the right path is? The right path has nothing to do with the path and has everything to do with a person. All right. The path of life is not a path. The path of life is a person. Prove it. Okay. John 14, verse six. Let's read verse five. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not where you're going. How do we know the way? Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth and I am the life. No one comes to the father, but through me. So David wrote, you make known to me the path of life. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the way. I am the path. I am the direction. So it's like, I don't know what to do. Focus on Jesus. I don't know where to go. That's okay. Jesus is a great starting point. (laughs) I don't know where I go from there. That's okay. Jesus is the great next step. Right, (laughs) I I don't know where I'm going to land at. That's okay. Jesus is the destination. He's the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except for through Him. And you're like, well, how do I go through Him? I'm not really sure, but I also know that the Word says this. In Matthew 7, enter through the narrow gate. Jesus is the gate that you enter through as well. For the gate is wide and the... (laughs) And for the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction. And there are many who enter through it for the gate is small and the way is narrow that leads to life. And there are few who find it. See, so many of us seek direction. And the Lord just wants us to seek a person. (laughs) I'll say that that again because that was really good. So many of us seek direction, but the Lord just wants us to seek a person. And it's him. Now, don't, 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 don't miss this. David started off complaining. And if we're not careful, the little complaints in life become so stinking big that you lose sight of him. And that's why David continue to live this lifestyle of worship and valuing the presence of the Lord because he said, he gets to the very end of this and says, you disclose to me the path of life. Why do we get off course? Because we get off, get off the subject. We get off track. We, we lose the compass, if you will. And we end up missing out. Now look at this right here. This is fascinating as well. He says, in your presence is the fullness of joy. Right? And it's joy, unspeakable joy. Have you ever noticed like when we get into the, when we, when we, sometimes when we get into these expressions of worship and it's like the Lord's really, really here, like I I can, I hear, I hear people starting to giggle. Like that worship, and they'll say "ha ha," or, or, or you'll see the, the giant smile. Why? Because joy is beginning to be released. And 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 I would propose this: that the fullness of joy isn't an emotion. The fullness of joy is the fullness of a person. And again, that person is Christ Jesus. He is joy. Look look at this in John fifteen eleven. I'm going to read. Let me. I'm going to read two verses from John 15. John 15, says this. I, I have spoken these things to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be made full. So, so I read this and think it's impossible for me to be fully joyful unless his joy enters into me. I believe that it's impossible to be fully joyful unless his joy enters into me. Okay. All right. So, so, it's, so, so how does his joy enter into me? Well, 15.4, Jesus says this, abide in me and I will abide in you. So I know this is a little bit teaching. That's okay. Listen, Jesus is the joy that's within you. He is the joy that's within you. Your, your joy is his joy, right? And, and his joy becomes your joy, and it bubbles up and wells out. You can't fake it because you can't impersonate a person. You can't fake it because you can't fake... Ha- I mean, I'm sorry, I, don't, I just don't think you can fake having him living inside of you. And so, so this joy that David receives has nothing to do with emotion and everything to do with a revelation of a person that came to pay this price for him fully. Hmm. The fullness of a joy is a person. And he says, in your right hand, there's pleasures forever. (laughs) Pleasures just means in your right hand, there's contentment. means there's blessings that means there's satisfaction contentment's found in him that's why in Philippians 4 13 which is probably the most quoted Bible verse in the New Testament but we don't really quote up 10 11 and 12 that's right before it because Paul says I've learned what it's like to live with an abundance and I've learned what it's like to live in lack Therefore, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. See, contentment is just found in him. David, again, in the midst, it doesn't say what David was complaining about. It doesn't say what he went through. But it shows you the process. And I don't want to make like, it matters what you're going through. But honestly, most of the stuff that we make a big deal out of really doesn't matter. And so David, David, David has this thing happening and he starts to complain and then he starts to worship the Lord. And then he becomes very aware of the Lord's grandeur and might and majesty. And I believe that if we could do that, that he would absolutely just rock our world and transform us. I believe that it would, act, it would actually change the way that you look through things, right? We, we read in Hebrews, it says that Jesus is the mediator between us and the Father. And that really means the lens in which we look at the Father. It's the w- lens in which we look at life. It, it changes absolutely everything. And it just starts with the simple making a big deal out of him. Thanks for listening to this week's message. The goal of River City Hope Church is to provide as many resources as we can for free. If you'd like to support this ministry, go to HopeForRiverCity.com. Again, that's Hope, the number four, RiverCity.com.